Love your company here on Friday Feedback. Getting lots of emails and phone calls. Always keen to hear from you uh, what you think of the issues of the day, even a few suggestions for the song of the week. But as ever, we're going to wrap up the last part of the program with our guest commentator to share some thoughts on the week that's just gone and where we're all heading. And very pleased to be joined this week by my fellow columnist at The Australian, Janet Olbrickson. Thanks for joining us, Janet. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having me. You've been smashing it out of the park, as usual, with your hard-hitting uh, columns in The Australian. Uh, I wish a l- more columnists in this country were as clear-thinking and as courageous uh, as you are. Do you get much blowback? Do you get uh, a lot of nasty letters or quips in the street? <laughs> Chris, I noticed early on that um, correspondence came in two forms. There were either... Um you know, death threats or marriage proposals. And it's sort of, you know, there's not much in between sometimes. <laughs> you see, <laughs> I, I, don't, I get the death threats, I don't get the marriage proposals. <laughs> no, I just don't take it too seriously. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of the issues this week. I want to, I want to, you've got a, an idea for the song of the week that relates to one of the issues we want to discuss. We'll save that one up. Uh, let's talk about terrorism first up because uh, I don't know how many times we have to go through this in this country. We've now, in the last four years, had six fatal terrorist incidents and a couple that were not fatal, yet every time we get bleeding hearts uh, screaming at the Prime Minister or the media or someone for daring to call Islamist extremism Islamist extremism. Why are we so pathetic about this? Uh, Look, it is extraordinary, isn't it? It's like they're just, you know, the button's stuck. It doesn't matter. The the amount of denial and dismissal and obfuscation and these apologists, I'm not quite sure what they're waiting for. What what kind of attack does it take for um, the apologists of radical Islam to say there is a problem with with some young Muslim men becoming radicalised, using their religion to inflict the most horrendous um, murder and mayhem and fear and terrorism on, on the Australian people. I just don't know what they're waiting for, Chris. I, I honestly can't explain it. Why do we get so many people in the media and, uh, you know, people say, here you go again, but it's always at the ABC. And we get others, though. There's so many left-wing voices in the media, but they want to believe this. They want to say that, uh, oh, forget about the Islamist motivation. There's a mental health issue here or there's some personal background that somehow to anything, anything but to focus on this, this evil inspiration as if being mentally deranged and an Islamist terrorist are mutually exclusive. Yeah, it makes it really hard just to have an honest conversation, doesn't it? I, you know, I, I just don't see that we have to be as polarised as we are here because it's not about Islamophobia. It's actually just about looking at what's happened and saying, well, here was a, a young man uh, who attended the Hume Islamic Youth Centre, a, a youth centre, by the way, that has been attended by many other Sunni men who have become radicalised. And so to suggest that Islam, that a vile form of Islam is not at play here, it just, just seems quite extraordinary. I, I, find I, it's I don't so know how you can have a conversation when people have just got their head in their sands over this. So I think it's just left up to others to have that conversation. And quite frankly, I thought the Prime Minister did, did a very, very good job of speaking very moderately, in fact, this week, when he, when he asked religious, religious leaders and others, um, just, just to watch out, to, to help out here, you know, that we all have an obligation to notify the authorities. Absolutely. It was very straightforward. And uh, I spoke to Jamal Riffey earlier in the program, and he, matter of fact, 
uh, just explained that uh, most people he knows in the Muslim community also welcome the Prime Minister's remarks and that, of course, they too share the concerns that everybody has about uh, about extremism and being vigilant for it. So it is so uh, straightforward. Maybe, I don't know, in future, maybe we can just ignore the nutters, but, uh, but they do seem to get a lot of airplay regardless. Yeah, but I don't think they get taken seriously by the vast majority of Australians and, and, and by those people who you just alluded to within the Muslim community who do not want their young men radicalised, who, who don't want Australians put at risk and who don't want to see their religion bastardised in the way that that, that, that is happening. I mean, in the UK, two-thirds of the leads on uh, terrorist attacks come from the community. They come from the community. So to suggest that, you know, it, it's not on the community to, to help police out here, which is what one Muslim leader did this week, I mean, that, that's, just, that's just crazy stuff. It's like saying, well, we have a no-snitch culture, so, you know, we're just not going to help police here. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's offensive, is uh, is what it is. Now, another issue that uh, the reaction is kind of the same in the Australian media to me is this issue of the Israeli embassy and now Indonesia and Malaysia piling on Australia. Now, whatever you think of the decision, I'm surprised that people like Bob Carr, rather than just saying they respectfully have a different position, but to defend Australia's right to make its own foreign policy, he instead, as a former foreign minister, basically jumps on board with Indonesia and Malaysia and says we should do what they say lest we uh, ruffle their feathers. Yeah, I I thought it should have been a bipartisan position of both parties that we would decide our own uh, foreign policy. So I, I find that quite extraordinary. I must say that I thought Josh Frydenberg's remarks today um, both in relation to Bob Carr and in relation to the Malaysian Prime Minister, Dr Mahathir, were absolutely spot on. And if we could see more Prime Ministers come out and speak in such a clear and uh, articulate and forthright manner, then I, I think you know, the, the, the Australian public would have much more respect for our political leaders. And yeah. you know, he, he called it out. You know, he said of Mahathir, well, hold on, he is a man who has, has form. He, you know, he's called Jews hook-nosed. Um, he's banned Schindler's List. Um, from playing in Malaysia. Um, Josh Frydenberg said that Australia recognises Israel's sovereignty over West Jerusalem and, and that, Indo- um, that Malaysia doesn't. Oh, sorry, I think it's Indonesia that doesn't. But who are they to tell us where we would locate an embassy? Absolutely. And uh, and, and who is uh, Dr Mahathir to tell us uh, what to do? We're just going to take a break for a moment. Janet, when we come back to you, I'm going to hear your song of the week. I'm wrapping up the week with Australian columnist Janet Olbrickson and she's nominated this song as her song of the week. I can't wait to find out why. Bottom girls, Janet. I can't believe you get away with singing stuff like this these days. Exactly. I've forgotten how funny and how naughty it is. <laughs> and I went to see the Queen movie this week, Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was just reminded of that. That is a song that you couldn't get away with. Fat bottom girls by Queen. Yeah, I've been hearing a lot of Queen lately too, my daddy. kids. But this relates, of course, to the whole Me Too controversy, the Me Too campaign, and your cracking column this week about how it's going all a bit too far, uh, uh, sexism or alleged sexual harassment being brought into so many issues, even the demise of Michelle Guthrie from her job as Managing Director of the ABC. Yeah, Chris, I thought it was really curious to listen to Michelle Guthrie on Four Corners on Monday um, refer to Justin Milne touching her inappropriately, 
inappropriately on her back. She said it was icky and unprofessional. Uh, this is in the middle of, you know, an almighty slanging match between who said what, uh, who did what at the ABC between Milne and Guthrie. She's, she was sacked, he's resigned, and all of a sudden we hear about this uh, allegation that he also touched her on her back. Well, she didn't pursue that as a formal complaint when she was at the ABC. It's just been thrown in the mix now. And, and so why I, bring it up? Is it just a political weapon, do you think? I think it's just strategic now. We, we live in this age, this Me Too age, where, you know, when you're down and out, just think of when did someone last touch you and throw that in too. I think it's really unfortunate. And look, no one knows what happened between Guthrie and Milne, but to throw it in right at the last minute, I think just reeks of sort of, you know, tactical ploys rather than a serious issue. And that's always been my problem with the Me Too movement, the hashtag. Uh, you know, there was never any real definition about what it meant. Everyone just projected onto it whatever they wanted, a wolf whistle, a wink, slap on the bum, slap on a fat bottom, whatever. Um, and it just became completely corrupted from the outset. And that's what we're seeing now. Did you just say fat bottom? There you go, Janet. Look, Sorry, you just—I couldn't resist that. For me, you've got to play the second verse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to download it on iTunes now and play it on the way home. <laughs> Look, the, the serious point here, though, is when you talk about this, there's so many serious issues of sexual harassment, and the Me Too movement has uh, highlighted some pretty horrible behaviour in Hollywood and elsewhere. Yeah, you don't want yeah, to diminish yeah, it by getting yeah. into side issues, I suppose. That, that's exactly what's happened. You know, everyone is now a Harvey Weinstein, regardless of what they've done and it's it's becoming um really difficult i think for men to defend themselves and that's why you know you see jeffrey rush in court you see um luke foley immediately suggesting that he's also going to bring defamation cases um and i'm you know no one knows in fact what happened between luke foley and, and abc journalist ashley raper except the people who were involved and the people who may have seen whatever happened but once the allegation is out there, it actually becomes very difficult um, for people to defend. And, and that was the other fear I had when I saw the hashtag campaign start. People just threw due process out the window. There was no sense that, uh, you know, um, that people could defend themselves here. Yeah, In public fact, shaming is the new great. weapon, isn't it? It was a witch hunt. It was public shaming. I mean, it's like McCarthyism, except, you know, sexual harassment, with no definition, by the way, around what sexual harassment is. Yeah, it seems to be so, very, very broad these days, especially really serious issues. Yeah, when, when it comes to someone touching you on the back, um, as you say in your column, that depends who touches whom, when, and in what way. But gee, it gets it's pretty nebulous and very difficult to very difficult to prescribe. Just tell me finally, uh, this story I know must have been front of mind for you. What about Bunnings issuing guidelines, nanny state guidelines? <laughs> about the onions having to go underneath the sausage. Does this this prove once and for all that we are no longer the country of uh, of knockabouts and anti-authoritarians? Uh, we, we are now the land of the nanny state. Uh, yeah, I, you know, this is this is why I'm a director of the Institute of Public Affairs. Chris, if I can just give that a plug, you know, we yes. are so opposed to the nanny state and it's gone mad <laughs> if we have to decide, you know, which goes first on the piece of bread because some person slipped on an onion 
on the ground. We will decide whether we have onions and the manner in which they're put on the bun. <laughs> and if we have tomato sauce too. <laughs> exactly. I just eschew the onions. I'm not having onions. It's too complicated. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for joining us, Janet. Really uh, appreciate your company. We'll look out for your column in The Australian tomorrow. Thanks, Chris. Good night. Janet Olbrickson there. You can always read her in the Australian on the, in the Weekend Australian and uh, during the week as well. As she said there, she's also on the board of directors of the Institute of Public Affairs who do great work campaigning against overreaching government and the nanny state.